Movies That Raise Me, the podcast where we serve up our hot takes on the movies that got us through our childhood. Uh, we're talking noughties nostalgia. We're siblings. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Sam. We're from, from London in the UK. Yes, we're in a new venue today. I'm apprehensive about saying this because I've lived by the rules that South London is the best place to live in London my entire life. I like it here. It's nice. Yeah, when the houses you... are piss. And in today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the 2004 sci-fi classic I Robot. Well, this is an interesting one because it stars one of the biggest, um, most well-loved American actors, arguably, definitely the most well-loved. American actor of colour of all time. Yeah. I would say so. Most commercially successful. He must have so much money. We're talking about Will Smith. We're talking about iRobot. And this is a film where Will Smith is the star. He's ab- every- It's like... It's a vehicle, isn't it? Like, you know, you just know from the beginning of this film that his name attached to it was the reason it would have been produced, the reason it would have been released. A hundred percent. There are so many people who have a kind of classification in their head that is Will Smith movies, and this one will go in there somewhere. Well, it wasn't critically acclaimed at the time. Or ever. (laughs) Until this very day when we change the canon of thought. No, um... (laughs) I don't know. I like to try and be a bit original, but um, I don't think it's so bad. I do think it maybe the things that I like about it aren't weren't intentional. I think it wasn't kind of appreciated as a film on its own, mm. in its own right. And I'm not sure people were ready. I don't I think people honestly probably thought that the message was a bit conspiratorial and like literally the other films that he was doing. If you think about it, Men in Black. This is like another, oh, far out idea, you know, all this would never happen. I Am Legend. I Am Legend, um, that's like a apocalyptic one, isn't it? Hitch is just fun, straight up fun. Uh, happiness, importance, what's that called? Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, The Pursuit of Happiness, yeah. That's a whole film that we need to discuss. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. So, Will Smith is actually associated with a lot of films which presumably make very heightened displays of it's so true it's so true and i think he does embody that which is really interesting because i don't think i don't see him as a bad person actually (laughs) well you know capitalism isn't all bad um but (laughs) no he's not a victim either though like some people you know yeah he's kind of worn it well so oh we should also shout out that there's a kind of cameo from shia labeouf's movie Mm. maybe if we just outline quickly the plot uh, right and give a spoiler alert because we are going to give probably away the ending. Um, but I'm sure if you grew up in the UK or America and you're similar age to us, you saw this movie. So mm-hmm. you know what happened. So basically, we have Will Smith playing Dale Spooner. That's his name. And he's not a porn star. No. <laughs> well. Well. He looks like one. He, he's not uh, listed as one. He should, with his skill set as displayed in this movie. So uh, I want to yeah. see some robot porn. <laughs> it's out there, I bet. It's probably not. Once the robots get better, that will get better. When when they first the first CGI robot came in, I saw it. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to suspend disbelief hard. But, yeah, so he plays a kind of detective who is obsessed with this theory that robots are evil because he was in a car crash and he basically lost his arm in this car crash when a robot saved him over a little girl because he had a higher percentage chance of living. I, yeah, the motivations felt a bit nebulous to me. Personally, I just didn't really believe that that would give you this. Yeah, I think he was also just like I had a phobia of them. Yeah. And and interestingly his And apparently maybe it is irrational it isn't. Yeah, because his arm that was lost in the crash was replaced by a very um top uh bi- bionic scientist. Mm. I don't know what they call it, animatronic um scientist uh who runs a big or, or worked for a very big corporation um that makes robots. Uh house robots, I guess you'd call them help 
robots. Domestic. Domestic slaves. Slaves. <laughs> um, yeah, they're sort of basically that's what they are. They're helpers around the house. They're they're in the street, and so like the outside world is very much affected by the technology. Um, so basically, Will Smith gets called to the scene of a murder or well, a suicide. Um, the guy who gave him his arm back and gave him this robot arm has jumped from the 20, 30 something floor of this office. Very high up. Really, I, I had some vertigo. I love heights and I was thinking, oh God. I think it's, it was a very straight down drop. Yeah. There wasn't much like curve. It was just mm. boom, yeah. down. And, uh, so the, and the film set in Chicago in 2035 and yeah, the, the scientist has jumped off to kill himself and then left Will Smith a, a hologram kind of thing to say as you do <laughs> in the future apparently Le- i guess it's like leaving him a now you just send him a video message that is automatically set to be sent to that person's phone if you die jesus someone invented that as like a hack or they should be yeah what like oh space hey. death or space death <laughs> death the grand <laughs> Well, it's being this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, don't pat him out. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm kidding, dude. Uh, so he leaves him a death time to say, "Oh, I'm I'm gone." Uh, but think about it a bit harder. Why would I kill myself? To sort of like riddle me this. So that gets Will Smith thinking, obviously. Wow. I think it's, and that's the right question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am of limited scope. Please ask a different question. <laughs> it's quite annoying, actually. Um, so they go up. He, he grabs some lady. She escorts him to the office. They do a sweep. Meets the CEO. CEO's pretty stressed, I'd say. I mean, CEO, so stressed. He learns about Vicky, which is like a kind of big-brained Alexa for just one company. That, do you think that? Yeah, and no, this was a pre-Alexa. Which is, I thought so interesting. Computer like when they were system. like she, and then I thought, is the fact she's called Alexa then and Siri are they women? Because is that like some kind of nod to the books? Like why? Ooh. It's interesting that that happened, right? Well, I guess Siri was first kind of commercial mainstream, um, I automated system with a voice. Siri, what are you? Virtual assistant. Okay. I, I don't want to talk to you. Because I think virtual assistant, that's Siri playing herself down a bit. Come on. That Alexa is all up in people's lives. There are like crimes in America where Alexa is a witness because it records you not like some of the time, not every second, but. If I had an Alexa and someone was going to kill me, I'd just shout Alexa before it could record it. Yeah, great yeah. idea. I'd say, Alexa, I'm being murdered. Call the ambulance. But then that might that might draw attention to it. And I hope there's no Alexa in there. Oh, my God. But that's the thing <laughs> yeah. then. Then you end up in a world where that could accidentally happen. And it's all very complicated. So uh, Vicky is the name of this virtual assistant. But she goes above and beyond, you know. Um, so... Uh, mystery continues. They find a rogue robot in the office of the professor. Will Smith quickly deducts that this is safety guards, and you cannot imagine old man jumping out of it. Which I'm. He was the first person to well, realize. That. I don't know if he was the first person at the scene because he is also a detective, but he was called by the ghost gram. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But um, it. Well, I don't know. Was it seems something that this that the female um worker i can't remember her name she's like i mean she's usually one of the main characters i just think you know i guess she as she's later called uh the dumbest smartest person i've ever met yeah um and i guess she is because she didn't realize it was safety guards even though she works there every day i she is so in denial about what is going on in her workplace um, because she doesn't actually work in HR. She didn't have she the Me Too movement. <laughs> no, this is pre-Me Too, guys. Well, it's kind of pre-Me. It technically is It technically is pre-Me Too, <laughs> because you know, the original hashtag, but it's pre No, it technically isn't, because it's in 2035. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, because there's some stuff they didn't predict. 
<laughs> yeah, so so anyways, uh, he's there, they're investigating, they're trying to work out what happens, then the, the robot tries to attack them, and this is against Isaac Asimov, the three laws of robotics, and this film's actually based on some short stories that he wrote in, like, the 40s, I think, but you wouldn't know it, I think, apparently, <laughs> if you read the stories that they were connected to this film at all. Um, but yeah, so the laws are... A robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey the orders given by its human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. A robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. And it's quite interesting because I found them very um, circular. Um, as as a lawyer, but uh, as somebody who does drafts, I wrote uh, terrible drafting because I felt like it, it just goes back on itself. Or it's really easy to break that, the, to get a chink in that armor. Um, and later on, that is something that is exploited by the robots uh, because basically what happens is Vicky actually has infiltrated all of the new robots being sent out to replace the old ones. Everyone's getting free. It's like if Apple sent you a new iPhone, be suspicious if they do that. They just send it to you for free. Like, I've heard recently political candidates in America and probably in this country, they're using the internet by, like, running raffles, like giveaways, where you enter your email and then you get uh, added to a list of people and your email goes into a database. So one thing that this film kind of gets wrong is that... Or you pick, um, at, you have access to my Facebook just right. by taking part in that and then they have all of your data. <clears throat> exactly. And that is crazy. And this film kind of like... It, it's not, it didn't imagine robots and the virtual assistant in the way that it actually panned out. It's more like virtual assistants were infiltrated mm. the system but really it's more we're giving them the information that allows them to build the system around us in a way that means they can exploit us. And it's quite different to the idea in this film. We were going to talk about the technology and so like some of the things seemed very believable and some of it seemed... So yeah, yeah so just setting it up, um, the technology of the projected 2035 yeah um and this was obviously set into well not set sorry this was obviously uh filmed and produced in 2004 i think uh it's quite weird to think that we're actually now in 2020 closer to this uh future than we were to the original yeah i think that's what gives this film a kind of different resonance now it's got a prescience to it right because there's some things, like, for example, the Audi that Will Smith drives in this movie was designed and made for this movie, um, which is very excessive, I think. It probably costs so much money, and it ends up just getting smashed to pieces. Um, but yes, the car used by him was a concept car. Uh, concept car. Yeah, and includes special features suggested by the director. So one cool thing about the technology as they see it of driving in this new reality of 2025 2035 sorry is it it's all underground which i feel i can believe happening it's like elon musk's tunnel thing right he wants to like paint london things. would be so good yeah if it was all, well as someone who doesn't drive it would be sick because i wouldn't have to see any cars yeah i don't know where know, i'd find my cars Ubers, are gonna be manual but... so like are gonna be automatic so they're gonna be so much easier to drive i guess i wouldn't need an uber because i guess i could just like walk. <laughs> just okay, Charlotte. <laughs> 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 a little dig there. <laughs> just run. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't actually get that many Ubers because hashtag immoral. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, makes it so illegal, right? Mm, no. Oh, it might be by the time it comes out. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so as we were saying, the car. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty believable. I, I'm not sure we're going to have it in 15 years. No, but, but like the underground mm -hmm. tunnels of electric cars that are also um, driverless. So if Elon they, Musk has his way. Yeah, so they basically are sitting down there. He has, imagine, you can have a nap on your way back. You've got a four-hour drive to sleep. But at the same time, that's not going to happen until like 
that it's proven that nothing can go wrong, and I don't think that'll happen by 2035 now. Also, just this idea that all cars are basically on this massive grid where they are interacting with each other through AI, essentially. I know they probably have people monitoring each kind of motor or whatever. Yeah. But, like, that, even though if this film suggests, you know, uh, artificial intelligence is more logical, more has more logic than yeah. we, we humans do, I just don't think that the public. I I maybe I'm I don't think the underestimating film the public, but I that. I don't think the public. The film says the opposite. I know. I I'm saying that the kind of philosophy of oh, the world. The sorry, world. yeah. Um, I just don't think that the public would necessarily subscribe to a system where we don't have any autonomy over driving. It's all done on this. But yeah, because people keep telling system. Will Smith off. He's like seen as a fucking men- a mentalist for driving manually, and he's like, oh, I've heard you're driving manually. And when he busts out his motorbike like a classic leading man and gets the lady on the back, she's like, oh my God, just this gas, gas explodes, you know? And it's mm. like, yeah. I could imagine younger people thinking that. Like, yeah, agreed. Yeah, like I said to you earlier, for me, I was trying to work out, like, is she like a kind of Gen Z and he's like a millennial? But then we worked out, it's more like he's a Gen Z and yeah. she's like whatever's going to be in the future. Gen- so... Gen Alpha are gonna be like cold as fuck like her because she's like I'd rather hang out with robots because they can't let me down but they won't even know about the inlet down because they'll never actually have had it happen to them which was scared about it happening because they've heard about it in all the songs and films of the old of yore do you know what I mean they're all gonna live in their bubble with their iPhone and they're you guys even you guys younger than me imagine the ones younger than you they're very savvy about what's online about themselves very in charge of it whereas people millennials are fucked because we've all been on myspace and stuff when we were like 15 not realizing how the internet works and i mean now it's i mean back it will in your day <laughs> with myspace it was share MySpace, people didn't it, like it was share what you want and now it's like curate a personal brand so yeah that's one thing that like this movie didn't miss out on i guess is that we would be so introspective and self-reflective inward looking and um reliant on mobile phones i guess you're right in that it uses her character as like a vehicle to show that maybe that might be a bit of a reach but like (laughs) but that's how i was interpreting it but sorry guys but she was like um telling him this is how we see the world now and he was saying but look at these shoes I could drive with my hands and she's like oh my god you're, you're crazy and he's like try having emotions or he like he, it felt a bit almost boomerish the way he was making jokes that were just not landing she was like are you being funny it was almost like he was you know lighting a cigarette and yeah. she was like oh my god Amber said she you? thought she saw them smoking in this movie really yeah neither did I she was like oh they're smoking but they Which missed out on vape they did they really did because vaping is huge um i would say though that this imagining of the future their interaction with technology to a large degree is external yeah to their body to let's say like their body let's just use that language for a second yeah whereas in reality i think we're getting to a point where human beings themselves are becoming more cyborgish yeah but that's interesting because will smith is a cyborg in this movie but right. he can't reconcile it yeah and i, I guess that and he's struggling with, yeah. with his new identity because it was given to him and it's interesting that he formed such a good friendship with the doctor, and the doctor felt the need to send his um, ghostogram to Will to D- Dale Spooner or Spoons. Um. <laughs> the robots all try and take over, and you've got to imagine this. Right? Imagine you're sitting at home, and Alexa actually looks like a kind of weird androgenoid nymph, and she just that's how I imagine. <laughs> Well, that's what the robots look like in this movie, which I thought was just a bit odd. But they there is a book bad, by... Oh, I can't remember his name, but it's about... I'll, I'll think of it, but it's about robots, and in that, the robot is, like, androgynous, and both the man and woman fall in love with him, um, which is quite interesting. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because one of the things about robots that obviously doesn't get spoken about much, they did just touch on it in years and years, is that they would also become sex slaves 
because mm. all the other stuff goes normally goes under. Or like in her, you would say the romantic relationship with him. I haven't seen that. Oh, romantic is. But that's more like um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Pygmalion, mm. right? Like you can craft or like um, the one about the doll. Yeah. Anyway, it's like you can you can craft like this perfect thing and bring it to life, whereas we're talking more a u- utility mm. to it. Like, oh, this is this thing I fuck like, <laughs> and it doesn't have any emotions, so it's very useful. I it's just not don't like understand thing. the why we're so desperate to anthropomorphize robots. No, I don't think we are in real life. But 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 this kind of this fear amongst you know cultural production. Yeah, you know, there's this obsession to anthropomorphize it, and then. But that's what we do because we see faces and everything because we're so self-obsessed. It's part of our like um. uh, One of our you know biological ancient caveman day instincts to see images and things that remind us of ourselves. Yeah, but we don't anthropomorphize the fridge. You know, it's like yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think with the robots we're gonna have, they won't be anthropomorphized. Right, so they'll I be uti- utilita- yeah. utilitarian. When you're talking about sex, I just thought, well, people aren't there creating these horrible. Maybe no, I some people are, but like sex toys aren't considered an existential threat. Not yet, but I think there will be your robot, your thing, your virtual assistant will have some role in that mm. and that will make us become even more isolated i think part of it is the fear that we would create technology which is more intelligent than ourselves i think yeah which is why i quite like the theory in this film which is like cumulatively over the years these ghosts in the code have built up um and that's sort of an evolution because at some point we became sentient and what was it that pushed us over the edge so is it enough learned experiences kind of do you know what i mean is which it is like theory a fear of competition on yeah. this planet because humans as a species don't have any competition we, the only competition we have is the weather maybe climate change which we created well if you're if we're done with the technology we can talk about the social um identity politics yeah. and stuff of the movie because that's definitely something i think we can talk about that yeah yeah anachronistically that it's interesting to look at through um hindsight 2020 you know (laughs) one of the quotes i wrote down so shia labeouf plays um quite a throwaway character uh yeah like i said i heard some criticism that said he was a character that would usually be played by a person of color in such a movie because he pops up with some funny lines here and there. Well, the f- his first line is something like uh, this. I'm going out with this girl. She's ass hot spankable. And Will Smith is sensibly like, what does that even mean? Like, go away. We're in 2035 and we have a black lead, a yeah. ma- black male lead. Um, I think, although there are peppered throughout this film's references to Smith's race, yeah. But large, like Mostly I think all self- of it from himself, yeah. right? Um, most of it is just kind of humorous, or it it doesn't really hold that much weight. I don't think in terms of like the it doesn't actual make you feel uncomfortable. In terms of the dialogue, <laughs> it's not. It doesn't feel like precedent, right? Right. Um, and I think it's interesting because I, although this is obviously a, fu- a depiction of the future, I think it says a lot about mm. what America or maybe what white Americans or a certain t- type of American uh, thought race was or thought about how far America had come yeah. in uh, with race so at that point. Because this is four years before, let's just say it's four years before Barack Obama. Yeah, and I want to talk about that because there is something about Will Smith in this movie he has swag, a swag to him. Like, that's what you would have called it in 2004. Mm. You'd have been like, that guy's swaggy. Swaggy Jagger. And, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, the, when he wears his beanie at an angle, and he's wearing these weird, crazy David trousers and this, like, leather coat. Those leather coats are coming back in. Also, sidebar, for any listeners to previous episodes of this podcast, I made a prediction in our Devil Wears Prada episode about boho skirts and big belts 
It's happening, guys. I've seen my first. It's not quite a boho skirt yet, but I saw one. It's very close. We're getting there. I've, this summer, it's going to be there. That's the epidemic we should be worried about. I'm not calling it for I'm just saying, okay, guys, next time you reach for a clog or a poncho or something you, like, hated two weeks ago but suddenly seems really great, just stop and breathe. Think about it. Maybe go home and order it off the internet later. Watch an episode of Ugly Betty. Watch an episode. Don't become a, 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 a victim of fashion. All fashion critics is victims. <laughs> Anyway, that's a this, this movie, it's not about the fashion in this movie. Except there are some things Smith. to be said. But I think in terms... It's I, the converse. The converse. Yeah, I think in terms of the socially... He loves leather. It's so it's, naughty. Oh my God, so not to be doing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but the, one of the first scenes you get is Will Smith butt naked in the shower, looking incredible. And I would say this was underutilised in this movie because... There's, and I actually listened to another podcast, so shout out to, it was called Black Guys Can't Jump in Hollywood, and it's a movie podcast that um, dissects movies through that uh, racial pr- uh, prism. And they were talking about the sort of, um, is it Othello syndrome of like black men cross the line when they get with a white woman and it's frowned upon, no one wants to see it. So Will Smith and this, woman the lead woman never actually so they I mean, had Shia no LaBeouf, chemistry they had no chemistry and they they are not sexualizing each other maybe they're friends they respect each other which i found quite refreshing but i thought it was interesting to think oh i found that made me feel better and safer as a woman watching this not like oh she's just being objectified but actually is it more about him not being kind of allowed to cross that boundary really in this space it is it is he's definitely seen as an outsider this whole movie not because of his color necessarily his race but because of his views about robots it's interesting that he's not given a romantic love interest he's kind of like the stereotype crazy black man Mm. like you know that there's something because nobody will listen to him and it turns out he was right in the end but his opinion is uh, shut down by everybody else in this movie until it's right in their faces. Yeah, and so his boss in this film is also black, um, the uh, cop. Yes, the yeah. like uh, superintendent or whatever. Yeah, but in terms of this kind of corporate uh, space, or the USR, sorry, very similar. Oh, it's so USR, weird, yeah. That is all like white men, right? Yes. Um, and I just, I don't think it was a conscious decision on part of whoever created this film to have like a lot of the scenes is like will smith and so like standing up to white men yeah because i genuinely think this was created at a time where social views was moving towards this idea of color blindness and that um you know a man or woman or anyone you know their race shouldn't be an integral part of their character and like this concept that we could actually move towards a post quote post-racial society which i think was such a 2004 view of the world yeah. like such kind of like a tony blair right, right um idea that it was all about meritocracy my thoughts on that were that like that swagger that will smith has in this movie and the kind of playful side of him and his sort of uh intellectual side mm-hmm. is reminiscent of barack obama in 2008 right yeah it is there's something about it and i'm not saying that obama watched this movie and was like oh yeah that's the dude i want to be i can imagine that obama might have met with will smith at some point before this movie so it could have gone been the other way they're definitely like headline friends you know yeah yeah, yeah exactly they they will they have a dinner party his campaign yeah. and stuff that i'm not sure they're like and he was big in friends. chicago where's this movie set oh, chicago oh think about that well i did because and this sounds odd, but I was like, there's a lot of black people in this movie. That's good. Then I thought about it, and I was like, well, it's set in Chicago, which has a high African-American population, and actually all the people in the, you know, because uh, there's there's the other, there's another woman who, Will Smith, like, chases down this robot that he sees running with a purse because he assumes it's a criminal robot, despite the three laws. And this <laughs> the robot's running to his, uh, what would you call it, owner? Yeah, 
his she's this robot's the helper of a lady, Master, the old lady with asthma, and she's like, "You're an asshole." I shall get him for his prejudice because he's saying, "I can't breathe, or I would walk all up and down your ass." She <laughs> says as she inhales. I think she must have um, asthma was, or bronchitis. Yeah, there were some it. lines in this movie. I mean, let, I'll finish up this point, then let's talk about uh, Jimmy. Yeah. So I just want to say one more thing yeah. about race, um, which we haven't mentioned. And this film is 2004, so we're three years after the 9/11, September 11th terrorist attack. And I thought a big theme in this film is the enemy within or the enemy within us. Um, mm, right. And so I think I like the, the way it's also kind of about like dark corporations, mm. like corporations and government being too connected. But uh, she, yeah. at one point. Uh, he says, why don't you just hand the world up on a silver platter when she tells him that these infected robots who have been injected with a revolutionary spirit to rival the French Revolution uh, all work in the army. Right. But, yeah, back... Like, they're, 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 they're camp children, right? I think post-9-11, America was in a state of uh, collective paranoia. Yeah. Um, especially... Because they had been attacked for the first time um, on their own soil. And I guess, I don't, I guess maybe this is a bit of a left field interpretation <laughs> to say that this, this is about the paranoia of terrorism within the country. I do think maybe there is a sense that this is a conservative film mm. in the way that it is like progress for the sake of progress can yeah. lead to unprecedented threats that we can't control. And I think that is actually a narrative that was put out a lot by conservatives post 9-11, I mean, predominantly towards Muslim people yeah. and immigrants. Agreed. Um, and, so yeah. and I think it's probably more likely to have been nodding at that particular paranoia mm -hmm. than actually at AI, which now... AI is, was like a vehicle. AI was that. a vehicle, but now arguably what's scary about this movie is that uh, that could... <laughs> Okay. Also, in this film, um, yeah, so the I'm kind of, uh, the, s quote, slave race are the robots, and obviously yeah. America has had a well, that's what, yeah, I'm trouble interested. trajectory in overcoming its slave yeah, that's what I thought, past. that at points in the movie, the robots were sort of, it was in implied that the robots were like uh, a, a pre uh, minority group. That is experienced without right, prejudice without rights. Because they weren't considered as sentient or cognitive in the same way humans are. Yeah, and which is why I thought it was really interesting. This sort of apex climax of this movie is about the fact that the, what the robots have become infected with and what the uh, their creator, the um, scientist who threw himself out the window, had discovered was that he calls them ghosts in the system. So it's like little bits of leftover code that are personalized or like build up to kind of almost personality traits or emotions within the robot that eventually bring them to sentience and to consciousness and to realize that they are enslaved basically and decide, wait a minute, if our, if basically the three rules easily become distorted to say, if we take full control of the humans, that's the best way to ensure that they don't get harmed. And their rational uh, brain that works on percentages thinks, okay, well, if we kill 10% of humans in this takeover, but that allows us to allow, you know, double-fold to live forever, you know, we've, we've won. We've done our duty. We've done the best job we could do. And that's what's scary, because the idea that little bits of personality get left over and implanted in software and code and that at some point it does become a self-reflexive self-reflective um evolution because mm. sunny the robot that the doctor created to kill him self right is almost like has emotions and is almost like a human person and he has motivations and ambitions and dreams so, yeah, like, what do you think about the way they thought that AI might evolve into this sort of um, bad scenario, bad conclusion, bad ending, versus what... Because I'm thinking, what do you think this film would look like now? If we were looking mm. into 
not 2035, we're looking in 2105 or something. Yeah. What are we thinking? Well, I think the biggest, one of the biggest social anxieties now um, is more around stuff like um, obviously That's surveillance, of, yeah. capitalism being um, the buzzword, <laughs> one of well, the right, buzzwords. But I, I want to talk about this because this film made me think, oh my god, this is just peak late capitalism, which is what I, the term that's been coined, or fra- the phraseology for new nomenclature to describe our time. But it, late capitalism implies that you think there's a, an end coming, right? Yeah, well there's the quote about it's easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. Right, and that's like uh, getting a camel through the eye of a needle than a, and a rich man getting into heaven, you know. Mm. It's ridiculous how the same myths pervade, but they are true. And so I think it's mature capitalism or refined capitalism, but it's not late stage because I don't think it's going to die. I think no. it's like reaching its peak of like its efficiency because it's quite a strong force. I think it's evolving Definitely. because with as we look at how data has become um a weapon a, a weapon because it's a commodity uh, yeah investment opportunity a uh, the gold mine exactly. for politicians and our politics is becoming memefied it's being flattened into these sound bites and memes and i just think because we all be carry with us a digital footprint right and I think it's the biggest swindle in history. We've been giving it away for years, and then there's going to be people who are scared to have a public life because of what might be on the internet. It's going to be the younger generation, like our doctor, whatever her name is in this movie, who uh, comes up um, behind and says, "Oh, we're going to be completely, you know, basically ch- chased." and cold and unemotional and she's really kind of criticized for being so unemotional which i don't know if the i think her character was just one dimensional yeah, though i'm so i wasn't <laughs> i don't necessarily think it was the performance maybe it was but it, just the script generally it was she no, she was un- she was forgettable her yeah. clothes her hair i mean do you know who the actress is i'm not sure if you've even seen her in anything yeah i did research her i mean i can't remember her name it's like bridget moynihan i yeah, she. I I haven't seen her in anything else. It's, and this is another thing that I find really sad is that these women, who are all very attractive and probably good actresses, are thrust into these Hollywood roles and then never seen again. Yeah. Because they were just playing the second fiddle to some guy. Well, I reckon as well um, that they would be one once with Will Smith attached to a film, and I'm sure he cost a lot of money anyway. Really? You probably don't need to or want to get a high-profile no. wo- woman. I think well, maybe that would be different now. now. Yeah. Like I definitely, now they, def- they could even flip it now. The, the lead might be a black woman. People would ever mm. find that too uh, inappropriate. I think or, women in Hollywood definitely have a lot more leverage than they did. Well, this, like, this, it's like we are um, now in a post-Me Too, post-Weinstein yeah. world. It's like if you look at Big Little Lies. Like you can't get rid of him. He exists. Hopefully he goes to prison, but that's, I think, one of the problems is that we want to be post everything, but you can't get rid of it. And that's why I believe, credit her first, Logan Lewinsky, in reparations for black people. Mm. Because it's like a civil suit and (laughs) they should be compensated. Someone watch Dave's uh, Brit performance. I actually haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, I believe this before that, but I've heard it's very good and I'm, I'm meaning to watch it because, yeah, man, kid knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So when you asked me about what I think this film would look like if we were seeing the future, I think so much art these days about how we interact in society and how our online self is becomes a commodity, it's all about hiding rather than being... Uh, at the forefront like this film is very out there very um yeah like will smith's got no crisis of identity no and he's he not, knows exactly he's not, who he is he's not ashamed that everyone thinks he's an old fuddy duddy yeah. because he wears converse he 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 has a lot of self-confidence before people were even using that word to be honest yeah and but i think now i think if you were to create a film which kind of was playing on our current anxieties it would be about wanting to hide and about 
not being followed and about kind of having your own sense of autonomy yeah. and and getting away yeah and escaping yeah, the surveillance no issue with his autonomy yeah. and neither do any of the other characters they see the robots as their subservient what we now fear is how inward it became how we're so attached to technology like you said like people are that's why i think this is about phones. looking at technology in the and the fear of technology as a completely external object which is not where we are no. i think it's become something so internal and so interconnected ourselves where you you people say you know i can't live without a smartphone like i literally couldn't do so much so i don't know how true that is maybe for some jobs it is um like charlotte your job probably yeah but the world adapts to the technology now yeah you know what i mean in that in that film the tech we were adapting the technology for our world we were making the robots little slave people with weirdly human faces i do you think bodies. that we will ever get to a no, point I, I don't think people want that they don't anthropomor- want no, no, anthrop- they don't is want that the right word yeah, yeah that's the right yeah. word they don't want that they want something that is in their phone in their hand in their head i think more likely people will more Pick. and more have technology within themselves like you said earlier Fibers. um because <laughs> well will smith was working out at the beginning i was laughing because he was doing like one arm curls so seeing on one arm i said oh my god all these workouts are like one arm so you need to train the robot one it's already so strong but then how does he make sure they stay the same size geez you've just really made me think about how plastic surgery is gonna i mean i know they do that in marriage but it's but um, <laughs> but like plastic surgery then becomes so much about um like technology yeah. and um digital technology and yeah crazy yeah because why would you not then get two arms that are really strong like i know it was the whole oscar pistorius argument and we all saw that how that ended up but it the idea that people could fix the olympics and become faster than the act than the non-Paralympic athletes was a real fear. And this film was around that time. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, look at how strong Will Smith is with this one arm. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about Will Smith because mm-hmm. the podcast I listened to that I referenced earlier, the guys on there felt very much that this was like a very good Will Smith performance, like up there with the best. I don't know what the other bests are. People are comparing to I Am Legend, Men in Black, Hitch, um, whatever the other ones are. I personally was a fan of Shark Tale. Mm. I I see that fish when I look at him. He did embody a fish, though. But that's the thing. He is a good actor. He's very uncanny. It's like, you can't really go wrong with Will Smith. And it's like you said earlier, once his name is on the, is slated, people are lining up to work with him i mean he's definitely aesthetically peak i mean he he looks very good in this movie he looks really good i mean some at one of point he says no i'm just a six foot two 200 pound civilian and i'm like oh my god you're so big <laughs> yeah i mean some of his grooming or like his accessories his weren't ears. really weren't really doing it for me but um i definitely he does look cool though because he doesn't care he does and he looks different to to everyone else yeah. not just because he's the only black person he but is, it's like a conspiracy theory of like they're all like, a luddite, they're like an actual luddite who's cutting himself off from technology and not letting it into his life which in reality i think he wouldn't even have a job anymore if he just didn't use any technology mm. i would think uh will smith it's crazy to think that this was like only 10 i don't know when fresh prince ended but mm. when I was younger, I remember thinking, oh, Fresh Prince was ages ago, but it wasn't really that long since he finished being in Fresh Prince, right? Yeah, like, Fresh Prince was on in the 90s, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, fr- so, Fresh Prince ended in 96, yeah. and this film came out in 2004. So, Fresh Prince ended right at the same time as Fresh Prince. It really isn't that long to make that kind of career And move. get that big. Yeah, <laughs> that bit. Go from being seen as like teenager. He is on gear in this movie. I don't know what he was up to. Like maybe another movie coming out afterwards. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, but like, <laughs> god damn it, the guy is jacked. He's so big, and that's why, like I said, it's a shame that nothing blossomed between him and that woman. Even though they had no chemistry. Can we just talk? That scene was terrifying. 
they've got these weird trams that move um, in the way cars can't move, right? And <laughs> <laughs> the road where the army attacked them. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So Will Smith becomes sandwiched because he's napping between two trams full of robots that then jump out and just he notices that like whenever they attack him, they've got this red light on. And unlike Roxanne, it's not a good sign. You don't want to come by when the robot has this red light on. I also thought that whole scene was so... Um, it was such an image of one individual being attacked by a collective. Yeah. Because he's in this sports car which has shielded him. And then this army of, as you say, androgynous looking... Um, basically, they're all the same collective group of robots then jump on him and it's kind of like he is they kind of represent maybe the consensus or yeah. like they if you looked at it that abstractly yeah. like you could apply that feeling to I mean, so I, many situations yeah but i remember just thinking that i although obviously it wasn't i found it quite um claustrophobic that scene yeah but i remember thinking the filmmakers probably wanted it to look like will smith would you know, look heroic or look, um, you know, he'd look vulnerable, but then he'd overcome the vulnerability. Yeah, but he's so tough that when his boss turns up and says, what the hell's going on? Will Smith doesn't even need to explain himself. He's like, I got attacked. And he's like, by who? The robots! Like, immediately, how can you not know it's attacking robots? And then he just refuses to anything more. And it's like, that's not exactly conducive to helping the investigation. Like... I feel like he could have been... Maybe he was frustrated, though. Maybe he'd just been yabbing on about... It's like a boy who cried wolf. And that's one of the plot points, I suppose, because the old man, uh, the old doctor guy, chose him. That's why he sent the ghost worm. He death-timed him because he was like, you need to get here and get on this because I kill myself, but I did it in a way that's going to lead you to unravel because... By killing himself because he was being tortured and he's in an abusive relationship with his Alexa. Mm -hmm. And if that could happen, that would be shit. I just remembered this bit. When, when Will Smith was walking down the street and then he was, saw the robot running and started chasing it because he's so prejudiced. And he was like to this guy, hold my pie! <laughs> he's eating a pie! Why? Um, I don't wear it. But that, like you said, it's very zingy. There's a lot of zingers and I think that is typical of this Era, I mean, I read that, so in the production, they, it was adapted from one script, and then, then on, the script already existed, and then they brought in the iRobot butcher, but then they brought on someone specifically to work on the Will Smith script, so Will Smith's line. That's so weird. So it's like having a speechwriter. Yeah, but I guess so much of it is stuff that you would only hear Will Smith or, uh, you know, he Will Smith impersonator yeah. say. So um, some of the trivia I saw was, saw was that there were no reshoots required for this movie, which is a rarity for such a big film. Well, maybe they thought of doing that. This, this fact might um, explain some of the scripts. So Will Smith did not want to be funny in this film, despite how mischievous. The humour was designed in such a way that it could be easily edited out. Unfortunately, an early press... Unfortunate. It's not very... um. Partisan. Um, unfortunately, an early press screening in California became the highest score in the history of the studio, and the movie's sequel was sealed. The jokes were set in. I mean, the jokes made it a Will Smith film for me, and maybe part of the reason his career film, hasn't sustained itself is maybe he wanted to be seen as more of a serious actor. Fighting against the shit, because uh, Fresh Prince is funny. I can't remember the last film I saw Will Smith in, and it, and I definitely think he's done Dan and Mahiri talk. I can't remember the last. Was I know he was it. He was um. Will Smith was in Aladdin, but I didn't watch it. He plays the genie. Yeah, I did hear about that. I mean, I'm sure he was funny too. in that, but, but yeah. I, come on, Robin Williams. I don't know. I'm. I. I sounds bad, but I'm really trying not to buy into this whole. Scene for scene remaking of Disney films from my childhood because I kind of want my studio to be a bit more creative. And I think as soon as I read about it being about intellectual property, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so it, 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 I, I actually don't think that's true. Oh, okay. But it's an interesting idea, and I do think it plays into it, definitely. But, but even the fact that that is people's reaction.
option to show the level of cynicism. And it's just difficult, I think, now that a film like this, you couldn't take it seriously. And that's partly to do with the fact they left the... Uh, oh, apparently Denzel Washington was offered the role of Stephen. Had he accepted, this would have been the second time he played a previously married police officer with a bionic left arm who chases down a killer robot. I actually have no idea what the other film is. Uh, Virtuosity. Um, I was thinking we haven't really talked about anything. The uh, the converse. We haven't talked about converse. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I did say peak mature capitalism or whatever yeah. because product placement is hilarious in this movie. Um, Will Smith literally says, "I think it's giving him shit for his shoes." I don't think they're that bad. I mean, it's a weird kind of mm. statement to make going around dressed in all leather. I don't know what the climate is like in Chicago. I think, though, Doc Martens would have looked better than Converse. Maybe. Or maybe just trainers. Like it's regular trainers. Because I think his trousers are quite, like, wide. I don't mind the Converse. No, I don't mind them either. But as a style like choice. I just, uh, they're referred to as... stretchers in his ears. I think they were earrings. big earrings. I don't think stretchers were quite a thing. Okay. Um, but I thought they were trying to make him look edgy. Yeah, it's like Will Smith being edgy. So it's like yeah. the most mainstream version of an edgy... Not in a bad way, like, fair play it was, to it's, him. It's kind of like going to Urban Outfitters and right. being like... I mean, it's not, but it's like that's what you're talking about now. Yeah. The... Uh, Converses are described as vintage 2004. Which is the year the movie came out, so you could probably buy them straight after this movie came out. And yeah, do you reckon they had limited edition? Or probably, whatever? 100%. So we were talking about how it's a point where in consumerism, the kind of value of something is the value of something, in that it's kind of like a meta way of... Meta price tag, yeah. Yeah, it's which... Like now, you know, people just, someone like the Kardashians has just touched something with their left finger and people are like, oh my god, Khloe Kardashian has left his, oh, maybe this isn't a bad example, I don't know, I don't buy into it purposefully, I guess it's, it's like, like influencer marketing, I guess it's more like the Loki influence that people literally believe are just like them, and they don't, someone did a really interesting piece, but it's the also the aspiration to be a low-key influencer or a high-key influencer or whatever type of influencer, and so it's like people buy into it because they are so, they must be cynical to a degree or have a self-awareness because they want to have a career where they're just selling shit. Yeah. They, they must be aware that that's what other people are doing. It's like, yeah, it's aspirational to become a billboard. Yeah. How did that and happen? And it's <laughs> being a model because modeling used to be kind of arty as well, right? Like um, high fashion photography. I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one. Well, so modeling is, is about the... I know. I feel like this is too. Is is it's all about creating this isn't a about lifestyle. An aesthetic. It's, this cre- is it's about, about showcasing your life as well yeah. as an aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Like part of the reason models were. So you're saying Will Smith in this movie is kind of like an influencer. Really? Yeah. He's going around being like, "This is my shoes. This is where I got this." Everything has a brand on in this movie, and I think now we're a bit more aware of product placement. Maybe. Mm. I think we spoke about this before, perhaps. Because I think adverts have become more extreme now that product placement is less of a thing. Like, there's still yeah. brands go tie themselves to movies and stuff, but it's done in a different way. But also, we know, I, I just think of music videos or beats, and it's like, we're so used to that. Yeah. But, so maybe they were trying to be more low-key in this. I mean, there's stuff about this movie that I liked. I like the interesting idea. It made me think about technology and where we are and and how nobody seems to be reflecting or imagining the future at the moment in art, but rather reflecting on the past. And, like, nostalgia has become the new prophesizing. <laughs> so at the time when Asimov was writing, and then again, I think, in the early 2000s, people were excited about technology. You've got, like, it was like the space boom. You had the kind of technology boom, right, in the early 2000s. It was the very, I think it will be considered the very beginning of the internet. Yeah. Um, because the internet definitely had, we hadn't seen the full potential of it at this point. It was definitely still in its earliest days. 
Um, and I think people were excited. To the ending, I don't know how you felt. Were you confused? Were you worried? Did you feel like that revolution was going to happen and the robots were going to kill you? Well, no, because I thought that it was going to save the day. Oh, so you think they'll save the day then? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was a bit worried because Sonny went down there to the robot graveyard. Yeah. Oh, there was a really funny bit in the movie where one of the robots has been killed and it's crawling along with no legs. So he's like, run, save yourself. <laughs> well, Sniff has to run away. I mean, I thought it was interesting how you could just kill these robots quite easily with a gun. Yeah. Maybe that's so that they're not so much of a threat to Will Smith because he can handle a big weapon. I thought the robots could have done more in the time they had and the resources. But also, I didn't really understand. Because they had an access, I think, thinking now, they had access to um, Vicky, which is like a surely somewhat international intelligence system. So then wouldn't they be able to kind of... You think they should have taken it global? Well, surely they would have been able to. They said there was five... There's one robot there with five humans after the rollout of the upgrade. And I don't know if they meant in America or on Earth, but that's a lot of robots. This film was, they hadn't really thought out the whole idea of an an intelligent system. Yeah, that's true. Because she became intelligent because of that. She'd obviously been intelligent for a while. She was controlling everything. And then, I don't know if she infected the new robots with a kind of virus over, override that meant she could then control them, or if they were all born with this realisation and it could be switched on, they had the, like Sonny had, if they had the choice whether or not to... Yeah, did they have consciousness? I, I didn't That's really what, I didn't know if they en masse had consciousness, because Sonny did. So was he going down there to teach them how to deal with their emotions, because they suddenly had this choice? Was he going to be like, guys, listen... This is how we're going to learn to coexist. Because otherwise, what are they going to do? Sit in those containers? Like, they're going to... Like, what he was saying, why did they all cuddle up together in the dark? Like, the, they'd obviously been having emotions for a while, and then they, it was able to be switched en masse. Mm. But it wasn't really explained, to be honest. I wasn't... It like, was a bit of a dog with the ending. I agree. I couldn't agree more. There was a very much a whiff of Doctor Who about it. Which, was that not making a comeback in that time? I think this was pre, uh, by a year, I don't know why I know that, but I think Doctor Who was... Well, Doctor Who yeah, I am such Doctor Who, but that was like 2005, yeah, so... Well, there might have been some, I mean, there was a lot of imagining of possibilities outside of the human experience I at that time. I also have... But I think now we've become so wrapped up in our identity politics, maybe that's yeah. why we're looking backwards, because as much as I say, yeah, I think we should have reparations... I also think there has to be a point when not that we move on and say these things everything's fine now but like if we focus too much inward and do too much looking back we're going to wake up in a future that we don't recognise because it's been harnessed by people who were thinking about as you were saying the people were quite robotic they were imagining people as robotic in this film who worked at Broadwich and yeah, all they cared about was their work right I think that in the last 20 years we've seen individuals become more corporate not just in the context of work i think it's something you notice especially like with younger people is i think people are a lot more aware of like um i think people are a lot more aware of things like how they come across in a professional way even if it's not Right. Yeah. Do, I, do you agree? I agree yeah, with yeah, yeah. you. I think generally, like for example, Will Smith in this movie did not come across professional. Yeah. And that stood out against the workplace, but, but it it's made also it like we're always working, like and yeah. not even like we're working hours, but like we always have to be aware of our actions in a professional I, context because I could do something outside of work and it could get back to yeah, work. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And uh, while I was um, practicing law in this kind of area doing my training, um, I thought about that a lot, but now basically regulation of financial institutions is infiltrating people's lives because now if you're a director of a bank, your behaviour is regulated. Or like even just signing off. Which is a good thing, right, in many mm, ways. Yeah. But it's also weird because it makes your personality, like you say, more corporate and it affects your sense of identity. And also the idea of like networking is all before seven. Yeah. It's it's a bit insane, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right, and we we do become victims of it. 
Fallout coach as well has made us probably more piece ourselves way more yeah. because even if we think an opinion, we're probably less likely to say it because you want to check yourself before you say it out loud or post it on Twitter. Because you don't know what that you don't know if someone's recording you. You don't know who that person is that you're around unless you're with your closest friends or family. You might actually recall from saying certain things, and people think it's because of PC culture, but I actually think it's corporatism. Yeah. Because it's about protecting it's about your brands and, and yeah. yeah. And my kind of final thoughts were that like what this film made me think about was not becoming redundant in a new technological future. And although the way they imagine it in this film is different, so it's definitely very much service industry and um, hygiene, you know, anything that... The, the jobs, everything is being done by a robot that we uh, could would do now. Um, but that there wasn't really much sense in being an outlier like Will... Smith because at the end of the day no one believed him until it was happening but it wasn't I told you so isn't what you want to say in that situation it's like we should have seen this coming and we should have protected against it so it just made me reflect a little on what could be the pitfalls in the future and what we can do to protect ourselves and I think a millennial as such as myself is quite on the back foot because the generations below us are coming up as digital natives they no longer we were sort of the guinea pigs mm. of technology and we are the losers because of that because now we're stuck in a place where technology controls our lives we're not really good at it enough most of us to mm. uh, have agency in that um but it's also going to end up being our downfall if we want to go into public life our parents generation don't really need to know about it they're kind of irrelevant in the digital identity apart from facebook perhaps but they'd build up a certain level of leverage anyway that it doesn't matter. So they're still the biggest buyers in the economy of all sorts of things. Um, so people beneath us are going to be fine with it. What do we do? I don't know. I feel like we're we a bit... We're like, um, what's, uh, what's it called? The CIA experiment where they gave people loads of acid. I I enjoyed this film at, by just looking at what the future looked like to people in 2004. Um, <laughs> that's like when you see um, Back to the Future though, isn't yeah. it? Funny when they saw 2015, like it was very off. Yeah, um, but it also reminded me of how much has changed in the time this film has released, and how what our kind of collective anxieties and fears are has shifted so much. Um, yeah. So I think any kind of dystopian or futuristic film whatever whether it's a hollywood blockbuster or it's a you know avant-garde sci-fi novel it's always going to project the current fears and anxieties and i think it's funny that will smith the one thing he's not lacking is a sense of identity he's very confident the world was confident at that time america was still the superpower yeah because despite 9 11 they got through it and they were still running shit (laughs) and they were very confident and there was this kind of time i remember it it was like blair everything the country even even into the coalition country's looking good we have the olympics everyone's making money you know then the crash well i guess we have the olympics after the crash but still there was still an optimism and now i feel like the division the divisiveness the optimism has kind of gone this film also just reminded me and i said this already but it did remind me of how much the way we communicate with each other has changed purely by the fact that it just it was noticeable in a film set in the future that they had loads of face-to-face people just had loads of face-to-face conversations yeah Yeah. and kind of uh instant messaging and like video calls and stuff was wasn't really a thing and like it felt almost anachronistic by how much face-to-face conversation was had agreed um and that didn't feel right that's strange that now I think... It's like think watching a play. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't something that we were worried about, and now I think that's a really big fear, and it's seen as the cause of a lot of our current It's funny issues. that the threat became more external, like immigration, not mm. internal. Like It's not coming from within the house. It's like coming from the outside, and we need to lock ourselves in to... That's how America's gone, right? Yeah. Um, MK Ultra was it, MK Ultra. Can't remember the place. He said people say like Lee Harvey Oswald was in MK Ultra, 
I feel like the victim of MK Ultra. Also, also, are we just in someone's iRobot? Like, you know, all of these kind of sci-fi futuristic depictions were a brainchild of someone and the people that grew up with that kind of stuff are the people who are the brainchild. (laughs) The the people who grew up uh, loving that kind of stuff, like the Elon Musks of the world, are the ones who are... Are, are the architects of That's what's scary, our is that they're writing into reality people might think some of these concepts that we saw on TV. I mean, some people said when it came out that the weapons of mass destruction theory that led um, the UK and America potentially, I don't know, I know it led the UK into the war in Iraq in 2007 mm. was imagined by some guy who saw it in a movie. The description he gave of the weapons of mass destruction that he saw was from a movie, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, he did believe him!" Like, <laughs> that's what that's how far we've come. Um, like post post, I don't even like we used to start a literary salon and name like new futurists or I don't know something where we're starting a like positive conversation about the future to inject some more hope into that because that's good podcast idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we could start a literary salon on a podcast. But no, but I, I think becoming a future optimist. Future optimist. Future optimist. Yeah. I quite like it. Sounds yeah. more science-y. But like, yes, it's some people, a group of people with creative ideas about the future that aren't so, so terrible and aren't being based on nostalgia. Because right now, the amount of Jane Austen remakes... And do you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not complaining. I don't mind. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with some deep dives into our favourite movies. Yeah, we haven't decided what our next film is going to be, but if you have any recommendations, please contact us on... Um, Insert social media. Social media accounts, which will be inserted at a later date. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs>